to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach in this atmosphere. I've been preaching this series called Full. This morning I want to preach on being full of joy. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Just remain standing and look at verse 5. John chapter 15, verse 5. Here's what it says. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now notice this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. You can be seated this morning. A man from Kentucky visited the city of St. Louis. And it was Sunday morning and he decided he wanted to go to church. And so he walked the streets, but vainly he could not find a place to worship. So he found a police officer and asked him and The police officer said, sure, and he directed him to a specific church. The man said, thank you, walked away, but then he stopped and he turned around and he said, "Uh, officer, I know you have a lot of churches on your beat. Can you just tell me why did you pick this particular church to send me to? And here's what the officer said. He said, I'm not a very religious man. He says, as a matter of fact, I don't attend church myself. However, I'm sending you to this one because the people who come out of this church are the happiest looking people in St. Louis. He watched all kinds of people come out of a number of churches, but these people had a smile on their face. Obviously, this police officer could see the joy of the Lord in those people. Have you noticed it with the people that you work with and interact with, how many people seem to be so miserable. If you notice that, it doesn't matter that they possess a lot of things. It doesn't matter that everything seems to be going their way. They never seem fulfilled. They never seem content. They never seemed happy. What is it that they are missing? They're missing joy. Joy. Now, I think everyone, saved or unsaved, good or bad, can experience moments of joy or degrees of joy. But if you want to have a life filled with joy, moment by moment, day by day, then you have to know that you will only find it in Jesus Christ. Okay? Joy is a quality of a godly life. I'm going to come back to this at the end of the message, but if you think about the nine fruit of the Spirit, those are the characteristics of a godly life, and one of those fruit is joy. And so uh, if you are saved You should possess joy, and you should manifest a joyful spirit. In other words, you should be full of joy if you're saved today. Now, I want to point out that 
uh, happiness is not joy, and joy is not happiness. Now, I know if you go in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew, there's words that, there are words that, that are happy that mean a lot like joy. So I'm not coming from a theological point of view, and I'm not here to do a lexical syntactical analysis of the word joy and happiness. I'm just talking about the day we live in and the times we live in and our understanding of the word joy and our understanding modern usage of the word happiness. Joy is not happiness, and happiness is not joy. Many people say they just want to be happy, and they spend their entire lives in the pursuit of, of happiness. I just want to be happy. If I, if I get more money, I think I'll be happy. If I can find the right man or woman to marry, I'll be happy. If we can have kids, I'll be happy. If I can get more education, if I can get a good job, I'm going to be happy. And that's what they think. Well, there's nothing wrong with being happy, all right? I like to be happy. I'm a happy guy. When I'm out fishing on my boat and it's early in the morning and the sun's coming up and I've got the whole lake to myself and I'm throwing that lure out there trying to catch fish, I'm happy. And when I did like I did, when I do like I did not too long ago, and I, me and another member of the church, we found school in largemouth, and in a matter of hours, we had caught between 40 and 50 largemouth. I was happy. I was like Phil Robinson. I was happy, happy, happy. Okay, and when I'm in a deer stand with my rifle and a big buck walks out, I get real happy, okay? If you don't like deer hunting, don't worry about it. It's my thing. And when I get on the golf course, sometimes I'm happy. Okay, the other day I played, I got so excited, man. I had everything working right. I went to Brookstone. I shot a 40 on the front and a 40 on the back. That's great. You got to understand, that's good. God's been touching my back. I've been able to play golf again, so I thought I'd never play golf again. So I'm just happy that I can play golf. Now, the next time I went out, nothing was working. Somebody else took over my body that day. I was not happy. Okay, when you three-putt a green, you're not happy, right, Steve? All right, when you get a double bogey on a par five, you should drop to your knees and repent right there. You should have a spiritual altar call. So, yeah, I'm happy. Everybody wants to be happy. But listen to me, happiness and joy are two separate things. Happiness is a gift from this earth, but joy is a gift from God. Happiness is something that happens to you, but joy is an attitude that is present inside of you. Happiness is transitory. It comes and it goes. It'll, it'll be there for a minute, then it'll leave. But joy is lasting. It's constant. It stays with you 24-7. Happiness is tied to external circumstances. It's based on other people and earthly things and places and thoughts and events but joy is tied to an internal condition, okay? I'm joyful because of who I am in Christ. I'm joyful because who God is in me and through me and for me. Happiness is reflected in positive emotions only, okay? People who are sad or hurt or disappointed or frustrated are not happy. You never hear them say, I'm so happy. They'll say, I'm not happy, okay? Which makes me come to the point where I'm going to tell a story of a man sitting in the congregation today and he's dying right now laughing. Greg McDuffie works for, for the government, this, the, the county government in Greenville. He has a high-level clearance, and he's an IT guy. And, and, and so he helps the people in the department with their computers. And one day he said he's sitting there, and his phone rings, and, 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 a, and a very important person on the other end called. They're, they're frustrated because things aren't working with their computer. And instead of saying, hi, hello, Greg, how you doing? The first line out of their mouth was, 
I'm not happy. And Greg immediately said, then which one of the seven dwarves are you? Is that classic or what? Greg said, I've waited my whole life for that moment to happen. When things go wrong, all right, I'm not happy, see? But for when you have joy, joy, watch this, joy is maintained in the negative emotions. Happiness only happens because it's, there's got to be a positive, happiness is a positive emotion, but it, it, it doesn't work with negative events. But joy is maintained in the negative emotions. This is so weird. You can be grieving and have joy. You can be sad but still have your joy. You can be disappointed because something that you really wanted to happen fell through, but it doesn't sap your joy. You understand what I'm saying? There is a scripture in the Bible that is really interesting. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and it's talking about Jesus going to the cross. And here's what it says. It's talking about Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. He's going to the cross. He's, he's suffering capital punishment. It's a shameful death. He is being nailed and beaten and strung up between heaven and earth, and the life is being drained from his body. Y'all, there's no joy in that. As a matter of fact, the night before, his flesh battled in the garden because he didn't want to do this. But why did he do it? Why did he have joy in the midst of that suffering, a negative situation? Because he knew that what he was doing would ultimately accomplish the will of God, and that was to bring redemption for all of humanity. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world would become the slam, the lamb who would, who would give his life for the sins of many. Takes away the sin of the world. And so he had joy in the midst of a negative situation. That's what I'm talking about today. Happiness is based on limited perspective. It's like tunnel vision, like blinders on a horse, Okay. I'm happy in the moment. I'm happy in the immediate context. I'll go back to my golf analogy. You can make a good shot on number 13. You get a birdie, and by number 14, y'all, you're so happy, you're pumped. But by 14, with that double bogey, that joy is gone. That context has changed. You understand what I'm saying? That's how we're created. But listen to me. When you have joy, even though I birdie one hole and then have a double bogey on the next hole, I don't lose my joy. Because my joy is not limited in its perspective. My joy has proper perspective is that whether I have a good day or a bad day, whether I shoot golf well or not, whether I catch a fish or not, whether things are going well in my marriage or not, whether our finances are great or not, whether things are going well at work or not, here's what I know. God's still in control. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Holy Ghost is inside of me. God is for me. The Spirit of God is with me. Everything's God's on my side. I have a hope that something better is going to happen. I live in hope, and that way I maintain my joy. You understand? That's what makes us different from the world. That's why when there's a death in your family and you know the person is saved, we, we grieve, but the Bible says we don't grieve as the world grieves because it's countered by a joy that we'll see them again. So there's a difference between the two. So here's what I want to just say to you today. Just as much as I said God wants you to be full of the word and God wants you to be full of faith, I came here today to tell you God wants you to be full of joy. Not partially full, but full of joy. Jesus says as much in verse 11, and he repeats it in John 16, 24. Like a glass 
filled to the brim with water. Jesus wants you to be filled to the brim in your heart and in your spirit with his incredible joy. So how does that happen? Well, this is incredible. Thank God Jesus shows us the way right here in John 15. He made it easy for us. And so I'm going to show you three things that he said because he said, I said these words to you that your joy may be full. So we need to pay attention to what he said, right? So here they are. Here we go. Ready? Here's number one. You're going to write these down or whatever. Type them in. Here it is. Number one, abide in Jesus. All right, abide in Jesus. Five, at least five times, Jesus said he refers to abiding in him. So what does that mean? Okay, if you're saying, okay, what does it mean to abide? I think it means to dwell or have a residence in. It's exactly what it means. So it means live in Jesus. Let me just give you clearly, okay, give you a clear. It just means to maintain your relationship with Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Don't let anything sever your relationship with Jesus. Don't let anything come between you and the Lord. Keep a constant connection with him. Keep sin out and Jesus in. Okay? Be like a branch attached to a vine. Get in your mind the image of a grapevine, and then the branch is coming up, coming off with the grapes on it. That's the image Jesus has. You are a branch connected to the vine. And as long as you stay connected to the vine, the sap through the vine goes into the branch and gives you life. But the day you are detached from the vine is the day that you shrivel up and die. And can I do some preaching right now? I got real quiet in the first service. You can get quiet too. I don't care. This is why you need to keep sin out and keep Jesus in. Because the Bible says your sins have separated you from your God. And I hate this stinking concept that has got in some people in some churches that you can get saved, but somehow you're still allowed to commit sins. That's not the way it works. If you're going to do that, just stay a sinner. When you get saved, it's so God delivers you from the power of sin, and you, you are now connected to Jesus, and so you have to stay connected with Jesus. But when you let sin in your life, that will disconnect you, separate you from God. I have a peach tree in my yard. I bought my house two years ago, Memorial Day, and I had this peach tree that really didn't do anything until this year. I have a problem. I got peaches falling everywhere. Oh, and Lee and I don't eat peaches. This does nothing for me, okay? I'm like, somebody, come get these peaches, all right? And I've got this peach tree where these peaches are growing. Now, the branches have been so covered with peaches that they're weighing down, they're bending to the ground, and they're breaking off. The branches are breaking off, and so they'll fall off, and I have to, and I get a pole saw, because I'm a hunter, and I got a pole saw, you know, when you're hunting, and so I have to pole saw in these branches, and I've, I'm laying them down in the yard. Now, I'm smart. I'm not an idiot. I wasn't born yesterday. You go try to drag a branch with green leaves with sap in it full of full peaches, that's heavy. So I just drag it over and let it sit for about four days. You know what happens? All the leaves shrivel up, turn brown. All the peaches shrivel up, turn into pits. And then it gets light. Then you can carry it off. But here's what I want to say to you today. I run into people that let sin get in their life, and instead of abiding in Jesus and staying close to Jesus, they want to come to church, read their Bible, but they still want to see how close they can stay to the world and see if they can still do the stuff they did before they got saved. And what happens is they get severed from Jesus. Yeah, for a while you look like you're a Christian. Yeah, on the outside you look like you're one of us, but just give it time. When you get separated from living in a relationship with Christ, after a while you'll shrivel up spiritually, and whatever fruit you had will turn into nothing but life will be a bunch of pits. That's all it is, and everybody will know the difference. You got to stay connected to Jesus. Well, at least y'all amen me, but I don't care. 
Come on, y'all got to stay connected to Jesus. We ought to work on our relationship with Jesus more than we work on anything else. So how close are you to Jesus? On a scale of 1 to 10, rate yourself right now in your mind. 1 being, I'm almost about to be at the whole point of backslidden. Or 10 being, man, we're so close. I just tell them, you're stuck with me. You can't get away from me. I mean, I'm stuck with you. You just, I love you, Jesus. We need to be tight with Jesus. And when we are tight in our relationship with Jesus, then we experience joy. Here, here it is. The closer you are to Jesus, the more joy you will experience. And the further you grow from Jesus, the less joy you will experience. See, a benefit of being saved is that you experience or receive the wonderful joy of salvation. Anybody here remember when you got saved? Okay, you were miserable, you were crying, you were covered with guilt and fear and shame and the conviction of the Holy Ghost, but you got in an altar somewhere and you prayed, you said, Jesus, forgive me, you cried out to God, and, and at that moment he did, and when he did, he put joy in your heart. Do you remember that? And when you got through, you had that stupid grin on your face. Y'all remember that? You had the grin. You're just walking around smiling there, looking there by grin. You couldn't wipe that grin off your face. What was that? It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of salvation. God gives us joy. It becomes part of our spiritual DNA when you're redeemed and born again. Saved people are joyful people. Saved people smile and laugh and, and have fun in life and are content and are optimistic and filled with hope. Have you ever met somebody who professed to be saved, but in their face they look like somebody hit them with a dead rabbit? You know what I'm talking about? Look like a church curmudgeon, man. They, they don't smile. They're a sourpuss. Y'all ever met anybody? I have. I'm like, man, if you're saved, I don't want that. Give me sin right now. I want sin because that is blech. But you know what? If that's the kind of, if that's what they manifest, I would question their salvation. Because when you're saved, there is a joy that comes into your life. There is a joy that is there, and it is transformative. And we like to laugh, and we like to have fun, and we just enjoy. Let me tell you something. When you get the joy of salvation and God changes you, salvation changes. I think salvation will pull you out of poverty. I think salvation can heal your marriage. I think there's all kinds of things that come out of salvation. But salvation will change your attitude. It'll take a negative person, make it a positive person, a pessimistic person, make them an optimistic person. It will transform you and that you will experience, you will, you will enjoy the little things. If you before had to have big stuff to make you happy, now you realize that you can enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the little things. You can see a sunrise and you just get a joy out of that sunrise because you see God all in that painting. You can go outside and the wind's blowing. It's a nice, cool evening. You'll sit there and you'll think, man, this is awesome. I'm just enjoying this. You don't have to have something big and something moving. You learn that you just, God created everything. And God's everything and God's in control and Jesus is in my life. And, and you'll just, you can learn to enjoy life. It is the benefit of being saved. In Psalm 51 too, David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restored to me. And what happened was David was a man of God, served God, but then he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Also committed murder and had her husband killed. Lied. And then when he thought he got away with it, went to church and acted like everything was okay. So now he's a hypocrite. God sends a prophet and confronts him. And David gets under conviction and he repents. And here's what he says in that one statement. When I sinned, I lost my joy. And he said he begged God, give me back my joy. Because if you ever lose it, 
you're not going to get it back until you crawl on your knees and you beg God and say, God, please forgive me and take me back. Sin will steal your joy, but salvation and repentance restores your joy. Isn't that wonderful news? And when you're saved, meeting with Jesus in prayer and studying the word of God is a joyous event. That should be something that you find joy in as you're spending time talking to the Lord or you're soaking in the word of God. There should be some kind of joy there as God's spirit takes it and makes it come alive and he speaks to you. And coming to church is a joyous occasion. Okay, so if you're saved but you don't want to be at church, you know, you might want to go back and check your joy meter. Because you should want to come to church and get in an atmosphere like we've had this morning and, and be in the presence of the Lord. There is a scripture that I love. It's Psalm 1611. It says, in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. That's what we're talking about this morning, fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Y'all, something happens inside of me when the Holy Spirit begins to move. When I feel the manifested presence of God, I get the goosebumps. The hairs on the back of my neck and my arms stand up. and I start laughing and I grin and, and I want to shout and I want to jump up and down and I sing to the top of my lungs and I want to shout hallelujah, thank you Jesus and just express it. Why? Because I'm in his presence and when you're around Jesus, then it makes you full of joy. And by the way, my joy compels me to rejoice. If you're full of joy, then you're going to be a person that rejoices. 1 Peter 1.18 says that when you encounter the invisible but very real God in faith, here's what it says, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy. People who are full of joy rejoice. People, listen, there's a reason we Pentecostals enjoy our freedom with our praise and worship. There's a reason we shout. There's a reason we dance. The reason we run the aisles. There's a reason we, we get excited and say, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and all the other stuff that we say and clap our hands and, and dance, all of that. Why? Because we know Jesus. We feel Jesus. We have Jesus. He has us. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my protector. Jesus is my deliverer. All of that gives me joy. And so that makes me want to express my gratitude to him and let that joy out and responsive. Don't criticize my praise if you don't like it. Because you may not understand where it's coming from. You don't know what he's done for me. I don't know what he's done for you. So don't criticize my praise. Don't turn your nose up in my praise because I may get a little more exuberant than you are. You don't know where he brought me from. You don't know how far down he had to reach to pull me out. You don't know the crisis I went through this week. You don't know the trouble I had this week. If I didn't tell you, you didn't know, you would have never known that I had a brush with death and you could have been in a funeral for your pastor this week. But don't don't get it too bit out of shape if I just seem to worship him a little bit more this morning and <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for redeeming my life from destruction. Don't, don't get up upset if you see tears coming down my face. They're not tears of worry. They're tears of joy. Hallelujah. And if some of you aren't worshiping like you ought to, and I, I don't even talk about personalities. I don't want to, don't, you don't have to worship like me, but you just need to worship. You don't need to praise like I do, but you need to praise. I pastored a woman and she was very refined. She didn't get too excited, but when she'd get excited, she'd put her finger up. And she said, if it got real good, (laughs) 
And I told her, I said, if those things ever start moving like windshield wipers, I'll know you're really shouting on the inside. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. I'm not going to tell you her name. But I, look, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you rejoice. It's just that you do rejoice. Okay, and let God, some of you, some of y'all came from churches where, you know, you never clapped, you never shouted amen. Some of y'all still trying to adapt. Come on now. How long is it going to take y'all? You're in a Pentecostal church. Everybody shout glory. glory. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, now you need to do it when you feel like doing it. See, well, during this, I mean, but don't do it like weird times, you know. We had a man in our church one time I was preaching. And I was trying to preach on the secret place with God. And I started the message. I was using these analogies. And I said, you know, when two lovers sneak away for a tryst, I said, they go off to the secret place. And that old brother said, amen. Right in that point in the sermon, everybody heard it. <laughs> it's wrong. I wanted to go. I said, wrong timing, brother. Now, right. <laughs> why are we laughing? Come on, somebody tell me. Why are we laughing? Yeah, because we got joy. We have joy. So you need to abide in Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Here's number two. Jesus said keep his commandments. Verse 10, it's there. Jesus states keeping his commandments is a requirement to abiding in him and abiding in his love. Okay, so that's why I made the connection that if you're going to stay close to him, you got to keep his commandments. you got to keep sin out and keep Jesus in. I've preached for years, and you, when you sin, don't let it sit there and fester and don't do anything about it. Repent of it, right? Keep short. What have I told y'all for years? Keep short accounts with God. Okay? Deal with it. Because if you don't, it'll become a habit. If your habits become practices and practices become sin, practicals, practicing sin, and that will take over instead of God in your life. So, do what Jesus says to do. He kept his father's commandments, that's what he tells us, and he wants us to follow his example. And let me just tell you today, I, I got saved when I was five. My dad brought in these people to do a kid's camp, kid's crusade or something, and I got saved. I know my mother remembers it because she's the one that went down to the altar and prayed with me that, that time, that morning, that night, whenever it was. I remember it. I was five years old, but I still remember it this day. I remember crying. I didn't understand what was happening, but I knew God was dealing with my little heart. And I went to the altar. Do you think I knew everything about it? No, it took years for me to begin to understand soteriology and the whole doctrine of salvation, understand really what God did in me. But the point is, that was the point for me. Okay? And, and, and so I'm 53. I've been serving the Lord for 48 years. Two years from now, I can say I've been serving the Lord for 50 years as a young man. Young man. Yeah, don't sit there and laugh at me. And, and what I can tell you from serving the Lord for all these years, y'all, is that there is a joy... And doing the right thing. There's a joy in doing the right thing. You're tempted to do the wrong thing. But when you make the right moral decision, you feel good about yourself. But when you don't make the right decision, you're not going to feel good. Okay? But there is joy in pleasing God. God is happy and you're happy. God is blessed and you are blessed. Can I show y'all something in the scripture? Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Did y'all get that? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me explain this to you. What is the kingdom, excuse me, the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of Jesus. So if you're saved, Jesus is your king. 
You have the kingdom of heaven inside of you. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the leader. Jesus is in control. Here's what he's saying. Paul says that if, if Jesus is the king of your heart, then here's what you experience. You experience righteousness, you experience peace, and you experience joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you serve the king and do what the king asks you to do, you will have joy in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. If you do the right thing, you will have joy in the Holy Spirit. If you do the wrong thing, you will have conviction in the Holy Spirit. Which one do you want? You may be momentarily happy when you sin, but you are eternally joyful when you obey God. And by the way, why is, why is obeying Jesus so important? Jesus tells us the answer. He said it's evidence that you have a genuine relationship with him. In John 14, 15 and verse 21, Jesus tells us that keeping his commandments is the proof that you truly love him. So I'm going to just say something real plain, <laughs> like I never do that. Don't just tell me you love Jesus. Show me you love Jesus. How? By denying sin and living righteously. Amen, Pastor. Here's the last one. You bear fruit. You bear fruit. Six times at least, Jesus refers to bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. So let's get them. So you got to abide in Christ, maintain a real tight, close relationship with Jesus, do what he says, so stay close to Jesus, do what he says, and then bear fruit. Now, I, I, I'm just going to give you the simple meaning of this, okay? Can we just keep it simple? I like the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. It, when I study the scriptures, there are two meanings to the whole fruit thing. If you ever read it, bear fruit, bear fruit, what does that mean? What does it mean? I'm not a peach tree. You know, I can't bear peaches. What, what does that mean? Here's what it means. One, it, it always means the God-like, Christ-like qualities in your life. So go back to the fruit of the Spirit, love. So these are the things that should be, you should be bearing. You love people. You're full of joy. You have peace. You're a gentle person. You're a good person. You're a meek person. By the way, meekness is not weakness. It's just strength under control. Goodness, meekness, self-control, faith, long-suffering or patient endurance through things. Okay, when you go through hard times. Why do I have to go through hard times? Because that's the only way you're going to learn how to be patient. It's the only way you're going to learn long-suffering, how to patiently endure something. You've got to go through something learn how to patiently endure it. Nobody likes going through bad times, but how's God going to develop that fruit in you if you don't go through some junk. Lord, can I just have eight fruit in my life? You know, can we just skip that one? God will say no. Because this that makes you like Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured. Get it? Okay. So bearing fruit is just when I look at you. I see Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. When people look at you, do, they, do you remind them of Jesus? I mean, I'm just asking. I'm full of questions this morning. When, when people look at you at work, do, do you remind them of Jesus? What you say, how you talk, how you decide, how you react, the stories you tell, what you told them you did over the weekend. 
does, does, do, do what they see and hear remind them of Jesus or does it remind them of something less than Jesus? Y'all with me? Hey, I know this is sobering. I know. And y'all ain't got a lot of joy right now. It'll come. It'll come. You know, a prayer we ought to be praying constantly is, Lord, make me like you. Change me. John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. Daily, you ought to say, God, please. I, I don't know about y'all because y'all might think y'all got it all together, but I look at my life, even at 53, and there are just still days. I'm like, God, I hate things about me. There are things I do and say, and usually if I, it's my reactions that get me in trouble. I can, I'm pretty good. If you give me a heads up, give me time, I'll, I'm good with the actions. I'm prepared. But when you catch me off guard, that's usually when I just do something I shouldn't do or say something I shouldn't say. That's, that's the tough one for all of us, right? There are just times I look at God, I'm like, God, I just hate things about me. I hate the way I am. I hate some of the stuff I do. But, you know, you can't just say I hate the things about you. The next thing you got to say is, but Jesus, would you please change me? Jesus, you change everything. You know, if you sit here and sing it, but you don't ask him, come on, y'all, what good is that? You've got to incorporate it into your prayer life. God, change me. Transform me. To the point where your wife or husband looks at you one day and says, you know, you've changed in, in some good ways. Your kids see a difference in you. Okay? And that's what it means to bear fruit, where your, your God is changing you and transforming you so that the more your people around you, they see Jesus. The second meaning of this whole bear fruit thing is to fulfill the purpose of God. To fulfill the purpose of God. So here, let me explain that. Tomorrow, let's just say tomorrow, you go to work and an opportunity may be afforded you. A door may be opened. You're placed in a situation where there's somebody with a need, somebody that's hurting, somebody that you can meet that need. All right, God opened that door for you, right? And now you're being productive. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to help them. You're going to give them money. You're going to pray for them, whatever. You're going to listen to them. Sometimes just listening, and you walk away, and you're like, man, that was awesome. I, I really feel like I helped them. You See, you were there. That was God's purpose for you in the moment. You bore fruit. Those happen throughout the day. But then there's another side of that where God calls you to do certain things. We call it ministry. It could be in the church or out of the church, but it's where God has put a calling in your life to, to, to do something maybe within the church or whatever. And so as you do that ministry, you, you reap the fruit of that. You, you reap the benefits of that. Not personally, but you see people's lives change and people are affected by it. And, and, and I had a lady, um, I, think she may, I think she's here this morning. She may be here, but but she came up to me last Sunday, and I, I've thought about it all week because it's sobering for me, is that she, she has, and I hope she wouldn't mind me telling us, you don't know who she is, but she has been just flip-flopping between going back to school and getting her doctorate. And, and she's an incredibly talented, talented lady, successful lady in our church, but she's been, and she said a few months ago, I preached, and I preached about don't let your dream die. And she said, I, she takes notes. She has a little book. She takes notes. She went back and showed me what I said. And she said, when you said that, God began to deal with me. And I took the first step. She said, I'm back in school. I didn't know, you know, being older, if I could do it. She said, but I've started the program. I'm working on my doctor. She said, I just want to tell you thank you for sharing that that day. I didn't even know that I was bearing fruit. But that's my point, is that that's, that's what I do in my ministry. What I do is I'm preaching the word, never knowing how it's going to affect hundreds of people upon hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people. But see, the point is, I'm bearing fruit. That's how it goes. And what I'm saying to you is, I get a joy. Do you think that didn't make me joyful? She walked away, and I was like, I was feeling this unbelievable joy. 
okay? Because sometimes I preach and y'all run out the parking lot. I'm just left here standing. I'm like, I don't know if they liked it or not. I don't know if anybody cared. Nobody ever tells me anything. I'm just going home guessing, okay? But at least somebody came up and documented it and said, God used you. Hallelujah. I think I'll do this another day. You get my point. You bear fruit. Listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. God can fill you with so much joy, but if you want to have that joy, you got to stay close to him. Okay? You got to do what he says. Keep sin out, keep Jesus in, and then you got to fulfill his purpose in your life. You got to be somebody that he can use. Somebody that he can use when, and, and as you do something, there's nothing, there's no joy like serving somebody else. Whether that's volunteering in the church, whether that's witnessing to somebody at work, whether that's leading somebody to Christ, whether that's discipling a new convert or your own child, whether that's encouraging someone with God's word, praying with somebody who's having a hard time, finding a need. Let me just show you something. If you will stay close to Jesus, by the way, are y'all all right? Can I get all this out? I got to get all this out. That's my job. If you will stay close to Jesus and you will live right and do Jesus' commandments, here's what's going to happen at work. When somebody, somebody's going through a hard time, they will bypass everybody else. And guess who they'll come to that they want to pray with them or listen to them and give you an opportunity to bear fruit? They'll come to you. Because these two things help them see that you're real. And they'll see the joy in your life, and then they'll come to you and say, will you pray with me? Can I talk to you? Can you give me some biblical advice or wisdom? And then when you're done, you go back to work in that short little moment, but you're like, wow, man, I'm at work. I'm making money, but I'm bearing fruit. And there's no joy like that whatsoever. I want you to stand with me, and I don't always bring you to the altar, but I want to today. Would you just come to the altar, and I want to give you an opportunity to really pray and seek God about these things. There's just no joy like helping somebody else. Did you ever stop somebody, stop when somebody had a flat tire, guys, and you helped them out? And people say, how much do you owe you? And, you know, hopefully you're not one of those people that say, that would be 20 bucks. Shame on you. Shame on you. You know, you jump, somebody's car won't start, and you give them a jump. Do I owe you anything? What do you always say? No, you don't owe me anything. You know, you're thinking, hey, if it's me, I'd want somebody to stop and help me. But do you ever get back in the truck or your car and you drive off? You feel bad at that moment? Do you feel lousy? Do you feel inconvenienced? Do you feel you wish you hadn't stopped? No, you always feel good, don't you? Just feel good. Just feel good. Kind of ride down the road feeling good about yourself. Why? Because you bless somebody, you help somebody, you, you bore fruit. There's just a joy there. So, st stay close to Jesus. Do what he says. And do what he's called you to do. Be productive. Got it? All right, here's what I want you to do. Where, where's your joy level at? Because if your joy's been down, I want you to start praying and say, God, I need you to fill my joy. See, I've seen people where they let things in the past kill their joy. I see people that, that failures and mistakes plague them, and they won't let it go. They just keep holding on to it. And it just saps them, that promotion. I should, five years later, I should have got that promotion. It's all they talk about. I should have married her. She should have married me. He should have married her. I don't, know why, I don't know why that didn't work out. I should have got that job. I didn't, they give that job to somebody. Five years later, you're still pining about something, and it's killing your joy.
me tell you something. If God is really in control of your life, if you were supposed to marry her, you would have. And if you were supposed to have that promotion, you'd have got it. And if that job was supposed to be yours, they would have picked you. But you don't have it because God didn't want it. So instead of pining about what you didn't get, why don't you have faith and start looking in the future and say, you know what, God, you're in control. I don't know what you got for me, but whatever you want, give me something better, Lord. Just take me where you want me to go. Put me in that job. Because if you'd have got that job that you wanted, you'd have been miserable. And, Lord, if you'd have married her, y'all would have killed each other. Didn't somebody write a country song, thank God for unanswered prayers? Uh-huh. Don't you think God knows what to do for you and in you to fill you full of joy? So let's trust him. Right now, just start praying all over the church. Whatever, however this message, however the word of God is affecting you, I'll just lead you. Father, thank you right now for the word of God. And it's the word that changes us. The word is living and powerful, and it changes us. And God, let the living word this morning change. Lord, if there's some people here that have just, this message has just been all up in their stuff, and they're like, oh, I want to change. I want joy. That God, would you give them joy? God, give them their joy back. Give them joy. Restore to them joy today. Lord, would you please help us? You gave us the answers. I just preached what you said today. Lord, help us to stay close to you. We'll be full of joy. If we're just living right and serving you, do what you tell us to do. Commandments, we'll be full of joy. We'll be happy. We'll have peace. And then God, use us. Use us, God. Help us to be productive, to fulfill, to fulfill the purpose for our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, just let us be a joyful people. Joyful people. Let that joy show in our shout and our rejoicing. God, free us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Free us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Come on, y'all. Just call out to the Lord. Now, if you have any need, if you have any need, I want you to just call out to the Lord right now. Just whatever you need from God. Whatever you need from God. It just doesn't have to be about this. But if you came to church today and you've got a need, a financial need, a healing need, a marital situation, I don't know what it is, but just cry out to the Lord. I feel the anointing. The anointing of God is in this house. The God answering prayer is here. Come on. The God, God. God answering, uh, uh, the prayer answering God is here this morning. Come on. The prayer answering God is here this morning. Cry out to him. Call out to him. Come on, whatever you need. Come on, cry out to the Lord. Let him meet your need right now. Let him do the work in you. Hallelujah. Come on, sing. My heart is an open space. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.